It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling co-host is Anna Derhock, and Anna is a licensed nutritionist with both her bachelor's degree and master's degree in nutrition. And this show is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness, a company specializing in therapeutic nutrition. Good morning, Anna. Good morning, Dar. I love doing these shows with you. (laughs) We have a great show planned because today it is all about what's going on with you. So right now we're opening up the phone lines, and if you have a specific nutrition question, our number today is 651-641-1071, and we are so ready to hear from you. So please give us a call. So this is our Ask the Nutritionist yes. show, and we, Anna and I kind of do this maybe once a month or once every six weeks. So, yep. so but Anna, before we even start, I have a question for you. Okay. You know, you have two very young children. <laughs> yes. Four and... Two and a half. Okay. And you're about eight months pregnant? Yeah, yeah. seven and a half. Yep. Okay. <laughs> you teach a lot of our nutrition classes. Yep. And you just moved your whole house and everything. <laughs> yep. And you still have great energy and positive mood, and you can tell. Yeah. And, you know, I guess I call you a very positive and productive person. <laughs> I try. So how do you eat? Because how do I eat? Well... I probably eat at least five times a day. Um, specifically, usually it's usually every three hours. Um, I consume quite a bit of protein, um, probably close to 15 ounces, spread out, of course, because that's better for your blood sugar. Um, but it helps that I love to cook, and I eat a lot of vegetables. Yes. And, um, th- I mean, those give me a ton of energy just because they're more stabilizing and all the fiber in them and all the nutrients that give us energy in them. Um, and it helps when you like to cook and you have good ingredients to work with. It does. So the grass-fed beef I buy at the farmer's market and all those one, the wonderful produce, it helps. Okay. So, so then I have another question for you. Okay. You know, yes, you know, you're very healthy. You're pregnant, very healthy. You've been pregnant a few times. <laughs> <laughs> Just a few. <laughs> so what are some lifestyle habits that you totally avoid to support the health of your fetus? I think the biggest one is the trans fats. You avoid trans I fats. avoid the trans fats in foods. Um, the second biggest one is probably the high fructose corn syrup. Okay, you avoid high fructose corn syrup. Yep. Um, and then I just, if I, you know, if I do make a treat for my girls, I usually bake it myself and I just use real ingredients, okay. you know, butter and things like that. But um, and I also really try to get the exercise in it. I think it's so important for for my energy levels. Anyway, I feel so much better if I, you know, get up in the morning and do something before the girls get up. So and if you would just see Anna, she is just a radiant, healthy, great looking woman. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dar. So, but now I've got a couple of questions. Do you drink alcohol? Um, very rarely. Not and obviously not when I'm pregnant. Okay. Yes. How about soda? No. <laughs> How about do you smoke? 
Uh, no. Okay. And do you eat candy bars? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay. Only the 80, 85% dark chocolate, but not a whole one. Okay. Uh, you know, so it's working for you. And I yes. know, you know, people in your classes, they just love to have you teach. <laughs> and um, so, you know, it's it's this this way of eating really makes a difference with every part of your life. Whether you're, how old are you now, Anna? Um, I'll be 28 in October. Okay. Whether you're 28 or I just had a birthday, you know, it's 71. You're 72? Oh, oh I'm off by a year. Gosh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I have more energy than I had when I was 62. Yeah. Well, you look great there. And so, you, do. you know, it's, mm-hmm. it, you just it have shows. to eat. It just have to eat. So, you know, when we uh, were kind of, um, we've, we've been put, we were kind of waiting for a few calls to come mm-hmm. in this morning, but we actually had an email and uh, we received this a few weeks ago and mm-hmm. it was, somebody asked us, what's the causes of fibroid tumors and are there foods that I should avoid? So, and let's just kind of start with that question. All right. So we know that there's quite a, a large percentage of women who are affected by these fibroid tumors. And at some point in their lives, they often need to have them removed just because of all the problems they're causing. Um, and sometimes even their uterus must be surgically removed to get rid of the fibroids. So fibroid t- tumors can cause a lot of, you know, excess mis- menstrual flow, pain, discomfort, so again, we always have to ask, what's the cause? <laughs> well, we know that if women can wait until menopause or beyond, tumors often shrink in size because as women get older, they are, they're not producing as much um, estrogen and the tumors stop growing because estrogen actually feeds those tumors. So we know that there is an estrogen connection because, yes. you know, as the estrogen goes down, <laughs> the tumors slow down. Yes. You know, and it's well understood for many women that excess estrogen causes the tumors to start to grow and then it kind of continues to feed that growth all along the way. Right. And that's why breast cancer is such a huge deal nowadays. Yes. So as nutritionists, we love to problem solve. Uh, It's one of our favorite things. And so listening to clients, usually too much sugar or excess processed carbohydrates are the ones that lead to the higher blood sugars and then which also cause the the pancreas to secrete too much insulin. And insulin is what we call the master hormone of all of our hormones. And it starts to affect every other hormone in our body, such as estrogen. So when you have excess sugar and insulin in your body, the ovaries get kind of confused and they start producing excess estrogen as well as insulin. And... Um, the ovaries start to produce excess estrogen, creating estrogen dominance. That's what we call it. Um, and high estrogen leads to these growths of cysts and tumors. So let's go over that biochemistry just a bit one more time. <laughs> so, Anna, let's kind of talk people through this. So, okay. you know, when you're eating a lot of sugar or processed carbohydrates, and um, it's so easy to do these days. <laughs> it I is. Mean, yep. You just step into a typical grocery store and you step into the... And you're like, bombarded. Yeah. You look at the... The, you know, the bagels, you look at the, you know, the English muffins, you look at the chips, you look at the pop. <laughs> I mean, it's so easy to eat excess carbohydrates these days. Right. And when we eat excess carbohydrates, it makes our blood sugar go up. Yep. And then insulin has to come in mm-hmm. and it's secreted from the pancreas. And that's kind of our master hormone. Yep. And that master hormone 
is in charge or kind of controls how much our ovaries are putting out estrogen, isn't it? Yep, exactly. It all it's all influenced by how much insulin is in our bloodstream. And we had a lot a lot of people are walking around with too much insulin in and because yeah. they've been eating too many processed carbohydrates. Right, and it it goes hand in hand. So um, another culprit that we can see is, you know, for the too much estrogen production is soy products out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not here to bash soy, but every time I step at the coffee house and I hear, um, and it's usually women more so than men, but I hear women ordering a soy latte, I get a bit concerned. I, and sometimes they're just misinformed and they think it's healthier and yes. it's higher in protein. Um, but most women don't realize that soy milk and even soy burgers can actually result in excess estrogen in your body. I know, and a lot of people don't realize that <laughs> they don't. And yeah. and so for again for soy for many women it's very estrogenic and it can lead to those fibroid tumors. So if you if you already know you're kind of estrogen dominant or have higher estrogen levels, you might want to minimize your soy intake um, for better hormone control. So we want to kind of cut down on the sugars and cut down on the soy. And, you know, I just to kind of reemphasize this one more time, let's face it, you know, <laughs> high processed carbohydrate foods are really very stressful on the body. Yep. And then they often contain trans fats, the thing that you said you avoid. Yes. And it and trans fats aid in hormonal confusion in the body. Yep. Yeah. They, they totally destroy the cell, specifically the cell wall. So, um. And again, hormonal confusion can result in different types of things, not just fibroid tumors, but polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is a very long (laughs) word. But usually it just means that you're, again, your ovaries are producing a lot of estrogen because of the insulin resistance that's built up in your body. And we know that we, because we work with a lot of younger women that have polycystic ovarian syndrome. A lot of women now have that. Yeah. And it really starts to affect... Um, a woman's fertility, um, they can't, they tend to have, they tend to can't conceive and have right. really heavy bleeding and all this stuff. Right. So, um, and then PMS is another big issue that, um, happens when our hormones get all confused. You mean we're not supposed to have it PMS? No. No, we're not supposed to. No, we're not supposed to experience that. And how about hot flashes? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't get them yet. Thank God. I'm not in that period of my life, but um, I've heard bad horror stories about hot flashes. Yes. So, and breast, but breast tenderness can come from that. Um, even in large prostates, it's not just in women. Yes. So, um, and that's from that excess estrogen in the body. So, I don't know, Anna, maybe we should, uh, before we go on, maybe we should take a break. Does yes, that make sense to you? it is a perfect time to take a break. Um, you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. And I wanted to share just a recent study published in the Archives of Internal Medicine um, about how a low-carb diet helps to lower blood pressure. Now, they compared this study, um, or in the study, they compared a low-carb diet to a low-fat diet. And for those of you who are you know, not so sure what a low carb diet means. It's not the Atkins per se. It's more that you're you're not eating the pastas, the breads, the cereals, more of the processed carbohydrates that have a bunch of added sugar in it. Um, and so, not surprisingly, in this study, they found that the low carb diet had much better results than in in lowering blood pressure and lowering lowering weight than the low fat. So amazing, amazing. Yes. But questions for us? Call six five one six four one one zero seven one. We'll be right back. 
Dishing Up Nutrition has listeners in San Francisco, Miami, International Falls, and Billings, Montana. Whether you live in the Twin Cities or across the country, nutritional guidance is as close as your phone. Nutritional Weight and Wellness offers phone consultations for people at a distance or too busy for office appointments. Would you like to increase your energy, lower cholesterol, or resolve digestive problems? Here's how phone consultations work. First, complete a health history. Next, discuss your health goals with a nutritionist. Then she creates an eating plan for your biochemistry and lifestyle. You make the time, and Nutritional Weight and Wellness provides the plan and support. Make the call from the privacy of your home or office and get nutrition expertise from the people you trust. For information, call Nutritional Weight and Wellness at 651-699-3438. Outside the Twin Cities, call 888-805-8954, toll free. Or go to weightandwellness.com. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. You know, if you've ever considered a nutrition approach to your health problems, you know, but you're afraid we'll make you eat tofu or even worse, we'll put you on a starvation diet. (laughs) Fear not. I invite you to attend a one-night, two-hour class and check us out. You know, we have a lot of classes going on this June. And uh, one is, how about uh, maybe looking at stressed out High anxiety, real food is the answer, or jumpstart your metabolism, or balance foods for balanced moods. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for times and locations, go to our website. It's weight and wellness, and that's all spelled out, dot com, or call. And we have actually, we have people at their office today. Yep. It is 651-699-3438. And we'll be really happy to answer any of your questions about any of our classes and, you know, most of our classes are about $25, so it's easy to check Very out. Very comparable, definitely. So before break, we were talking about hormonal confusion that happens. Mainly, a lot of hormonal confusion happens because we're eating too many processed carbohydrates. Yep. And, and I think people don't even realize that the amount of sugar that's in food. And so two cups of cereal. You know, it t- contains at least 11 teaspoons of sugar mm-hmm. in it, what happens in our body. 11 mm-hmm. teaspoons of sugar. Right. You know, a Coke, about at least 16, 16. teaspoons. Uh, you know those little six-ounce fruited yogurts yep. like Yoplait? Like the Dannon or Yoplait, yep. Eight teaspoons of sugar. <sighs> you know, a cookie, a mocha, you know, you stop, <laughs> you think, oh, more than I can even count. Right. It is. It is, too. <laughs> And if you have the genetics that predispose you to diabetes, like I do, mm-hmm. then you must be on the guard about eating too many carbohydrates. You know, let's face it, cereal for breakfast is not the breakfast of champions. <laughs> it is a breakfast that can lead to overweight kids mm-hmm. and adults with a pre-diabetic condition in their bodies. Right. And and I th- I think I think the author of Eat This Not That said it very nicely recently. Um, on one of the morning shows, he said, it is sugar, let me say it again, sugar, that is making us fat. It's not the fat. Um, obviously, trans fats are not good for us or weight gain, but he was showing only healthy fats such as olive oil and even butter, nuts and seeds, avocados. And avocados are not just full of great fat, but they're also packed with nutrients. They have eight cholesterol-lowering um, types of minerals. So really, when 
And he knows, as we have said before, over and over, that the trans fats in the margarine and the coffee mate, yes. which we see everywhere, and commercial cookies and cakes, you know, the ones that are sold by Walmart and, you know, cup bakeries and stuff like that, all contain those bad fats that tend to lead to the weight gain and obesity epidemic. So it really goes back to all those cereal bars, all the cereal bars, the mochas, <laughs> the crackers, the pasta, the pizza, and of course the beer. Yes. It causes insulin resistance and actual hormonal confusion and plus a lot of inflammation in our body. Right. And I think people view inflammation a little, you know, in a, in a different sense, but inflammation is really, we can, we can direct, directly, you know, um, see it as the cause to most health problems, right. if, not all, it, if not all chronic it, health problems. And it isn't just mean when you uh, sprain your ankle. No, it's not just that inflammation. It's when you get out of bed and you have those aches and pains. <laughs> <laughs> You've got inflammation yes. going. Or when you start having the high blood pressure and the high cholesterol, that's all inflammation that's in the blood it. vessels. Yes. When you get cancer, that's inflammation. Yes. Um, so... And we know with talking about hormonal confusion and inflammation, if you're apple-shaped, you no doubt know you have insulin resistance. Or if you didn't know, you that's kind of indicative of it. And surprisingly, 50% of people with Parkinson's, who we think is very, you know, frail, thin, yes. kind of wasting, also have insulin resistance. Is, yes. That's that, crazy. Yes, that's interesting research. Yes, very interesting um, so even though, you know, they, they often look thin and they lack muscle tone and have insulin resistance, again, it in, you know, insulin res- resistance doesn't mean that you have to ha- be overweight. That's right. You know, it's just part of it. So. so, you know, it's kind of interesting as we've been talking about hormones, you know, we know that polycystic ovarian syndrome is really directly linked to eating too many carbohydrates. And mm-hmm. that is, in a sense... I don't know if you know, have you noticed this? When we have clients that come in that have polycystic, it's it's hard for them to accept in a way that it's coming that, that all that pain right. that they're having and all those cysts that they're having is actually coming from eating too many processed carbohydrates. Right. They would like to say, oh, it's genetic <laughs> right. or it's something else. Right. But it's actually from, and they may have a, they may have a body that is kind of predisposed to this. Right. And they may, you know, somebody else might be able to eat all that sugar and not have it happen to them. But basically the only way to, to reduce those is to reduce the main amount of processed carbohydrates. Right. Yep. And that's, again, the breads and the cereals and the pastas. Um, and and even, even with um, polycystic ovarian syndrome, women can be... Not super overweight. I've started to see it and I couldn't believe it. But this woman came in just the other day to see me and she was maybe 10 pounds overweight. And she had been diagnosed a couple years ago with polycystic ovarian syndrome. Right. So again, it's just, it's not always about the, you know, the weight gain. It's, you know, it can start earlier than, than when you see that. And I think, you know, like, Anna, you know, you have the two little girls right now. Yeah. And. My guess is that you're not feeding them juice, or if you are, it's no. very, very diluted juice, if yes. any. Yep. And it starts way back when we're giving our kids, you know, if you think about a glass of juice, it probably has um, 
you know, probably what, 13 teaspoons of sugar at least? Yeah. But it would have like a glass of juice, would have maybe six oranges to it. Yep. Eating an orange would be just fine. Right. But, but you wouldn't sit down and eat six oranges at no. a time. And it's got fiber as well. So. Yes. So it's beginning at a very young age with our young women so that they don't start to develop some of these. Right. And it, we're not... We're not being bad parents if we don't feed them fresh orange juice. Right. <laughs> we're, we're actually protecting them against other chronic diseases that could happen later on. Exactly. Exactly. So, and that's what I, that's how I feel. I don't feel like I'm a food Nazi, which some people might call me, but, um, so as a society, we just all, we all need to start reducing or eliminate the processed carbohydrates and, and we know that it's hard and, um, that it gets frustrating when you're you go into the grocery store and you're constantly you know you constantly see this stuff and it's easy to grab but um, again that's the only way that our health problems are really going to start to turn around. So Anna, let's do this. We okay. had an email from Sharon okay. that um, you know that, that we, I, actually I was just handed this as I was out, walking out the door last night, <laughs> and it, it taught, Sharon talked about she was bit. You know, she's been diagnosed with osteopenia, so we're kind of switching topics now. Yes. And she had taken our class, the Nutritional Solutions for Osteoporosis class, and then she went and had her vitamin D level checked, and it was 10. Very low, wow. Very low. And, you know, we recommend that vitamin D level should be somewhere between 55 and 100. Yep. So 10 and why do and why do we need vitamin D when we're looking at osteoporosis, <laughs> osteopenia? Well, vitamin D is what helps the calcium actually attach to the bone matrix. It's like the absorption. It helps with the absorption of calcium and and every other mineral that's important for bone health. And we also know that uh, it increases your risk of breast cancer by fifty percent. Yep. It increases your uh, cardiovascular problems by yep. about fifty percent if your vitamin D level is low. Is low, and we get vitamin D level vitamin D normally from the from sun. The sun, yes. Like we we probably could get a little today. <laughs> yes. So now her doctor has her taking fifty thousand units twice a week, or yeah, fifty thousand yes. units twice a week. And my guess is, just from working with a lot of clients, is that may be a vitamin D too, right? And I know, what did you say to me before the show about vitamin D2? <laughs> that it it's not absorbable. Our bodies don't, it's not the activated form of, of vitamin D. Yes. And so I always encourage people, and you'd probably do too, mm-hmm. to take vitamin D3. Three. Three. Yes. Okay. So then she went on to ask, should I be taking calcium citrate with it and how much? You know, and well, I think calcium citrate is a good place to start. Right. And but I think what we she needs with osteopenia she needs many forms of calcium. Yes, because they absorb differently and they can absorb better throughout the body. Yes, yes. So in our office we have a couple of products. One is called by Metagenics called Cal Appetite Plus. Plus. Yep. So that has a variety of forms of calcium in it. Yep. Not cut. No calcium carbonate though. No, because we know that that isn't absorbable. Right. And then. We also have another, some products by Orthomolecular. One is called Pro Bono. One is called Reacted Calcium. And mm-hmm. both both of those have a variety of calcium products in it. Yes, that are highly absorbable and that your body can use to and, build bone. And then as we know that you probably need other things to build bones, you know, 
Mm-hmm. We know that some people need a mineral called strontium, mm-hmm. and that helps to um, build the strong bones. Yep. We sometimes we need some vitamin K. Yep. Definitely. And we usually get vitamin K from like broccoli and green leafy vegetables. Yep. But some people need more vitamin K. Um, magnesium. Some magnesium. Yep. And sometimes we need some folic acid for all the calcium to absorb. Yep. So it isn't a simple problem of going in and taking Tums, is it? No. And you don't want to take Tums because it's got calcium carbonate in it. So Exactly. And calcium. So then we slow down the breakdown of that calcium exactly and we actually make the problem worse and then we could develop kidney stones yes but on that note okay we're gonna have to take a break um you are listening to dishing up nutrition and a month ago we had an interesting email question from victoria and she starts out her email by saying many shows talk about cravings most of them seem to be about sugar cravings however i have a salt craving very super salty cravings she says I crave a whole jar of green olives, and she wants to know what causes my salt cravings. Uh, does it come from my daily intense one-and-a-half-hour workout session with a lot of sweating going on, or is it something else? Um, and Victoria also wanted to know how much salt does our body need and what are the effects on the body if I eat too much. When we come back, we will tackle that salt shaker and answer Victoria's questions. If you have questions, please call us at 651-641-1071. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Darlene Kavis, Certified Nutrition Specialist, and I'm here with Anna Durhock, Licensed Nutritionist. Now, before break, we had an email question about salt cravings. You know, if you are a person that's a salt craver, you may be low in zinc. So when zinc level is low... You know, food kind of loses its taste. Mm -hmm. There's a tendency to add excess salt in order to improve the flavor and taste. And, uh, you know, zinc plays a special role in the perception of both the taste and smell. Yep, And And, that's specifically in the brain. mm -hmm. Yep. And, Anna, if you, I don't know if you've had any unusual cravings with your pregnancy. (laughs) Actually, if, if you have, it may be low zinc levels. Right. And I've never had it, but um, I know a lot of women who have um, just weird cravings like um, pickles and ice cream and stuff like that. And a lot of times, again, that sweet, salty craving can be low, specifically low zinc in pregnancy. Pregnancy tends to challenge all of our <laughs> nutrients. <laughs> um, and both zinc and also even vitamin B6 levels um, tend to be specifically low. So... So, Anna, what happens when you're pregnant and say say somebody's zinc level is tremendously low? Right. The, one of the biggest things that we start to see um, as nutritionists working with pregnant women is um, something called PICA. Mm-hmm. And PICA is usually when you're, you start craving non-food substances like clay, dirt. And they talk about this often occurring in the southern states. Yes. Yep. And it might be because their soil is more depleted. It might be just because they're eating more processed foods. Who knows? Right. Yep. But it's, um, it's, and that's, that can be very detrimental because that can even further diminish your mineral levels. Exactly. So never so, a good thing. You know, for, if you're zinc deficient and you're craving salt, mm-hmm. 
uh, you should probably supplement with about, you know, somewhere between 30 and 50 milligrams of zinc daily. Right. Um, and I always recommend the kind of zinc to take is one that is, a, it the mineral is attached to a little amino acid, which is a little bit of protein. Yeah. And because then it gets absorbed better and it's a better quality. Right. So if you're going to take a supplement, it should get absorbed. Yes. And if you're trying to do it with supplements and food, zinc foods that are high in zinc would be the the meats and the and the seafoods. Yes. So so try to consume more of those too if you think you're zinc deficient. So, you know, zinc also besides the fact that it uh, you know affects our salt cravings and it affects pregnancy and it affects our immune system. Yes. So when your zinc level is low, you often have a lower immune function. Right, and you're more susceptible to viruses and bacteria and all that stuff. So if we kind of listen to our body signs all the time, <laughs> and if we start having these salt cravings, you know, and I bet if listeners are out there, they if they are taking diuretics for blood pressure. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So oh, nice. You're going in. Nice. <laughs> a lot of times what happens is that they suddenly <laughs> will start craving salt. Well, what the diuretic is depleting not only their magnesium and their zinc, but their zinc and their calcium as diuretics do because right. it starts to wash out those minerals. Right. Yep. They they attach onto it. Um, and what I found, too, is interesting that when clients have a zinc deficiency, they also have very intense sugar cravings. So low zinc can also result in sugar and salt cravings. But also, Victoria, if you're working out a lot... And you're sweating a lot, mm-hmm. as a lot of us do. It could also be related, your salt cravings, to potassium. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind as well, because a lot of minerals are lost through sweat. Yes. And there are some symptoms and signs. Again, looking at your body signs. Yeah. You know, if, you're, if you um, are having kind of trouble walking upstairs because you just don't have any energy, mm-hmm. and you've just worked out, it may be that you're low on potassium. That's one of the signs of being low on potassium. Right. Another sign of being low on potassium is suddenly you just start crying. Yep. That <laughs> emotional response. That's not good. Um, and, but, and heart palpitations, that's yes. more of a severe potassium deficiency, but that can still be, you know, a, a symptom or a body sign. Definitely. So going back to the whole original question Victoria had was, what causes my salt cravings? Well, well, you know, we came up with a couple. It's it's probably either zinc or low potassium. Yeah. You know, it's all these minerals. Yeah. That we do. We know that when people are low on magnesium, they often have chocolate cravings. Yes. So. <laughs> and it would make sense too because chocolate's very high in magnesium, and it helps with our blood sugar balance. So. So we had another email question. You know, we received this last week from Sarah. She said, I have been diagnosed with irritable bowel syndrome, IBS, and my doctor said I would just have to live with it, but I'm so uncomfortable at times with constipation, and then it turns into uncontrollable diarrhea. Sometimes I can't even leave my house. Do you have any suggestions? Maybe it's the food I'm eating, but everything seems to give me problems. Help. (laughs) (laughs) We hear this all the time. Sarah, you're not alone. So... Getting back to the IBS problem, about one in three Americans suffer from gut problems all around, which could be Crohn's, celiac, ulcerative colitis, all that those things. 
And two of the top seven seven best selling drugs in the U.S. are prescribed for GI distress or you know gastrointestinal problems. Um, nearly half of all visits to internists or specialists are for bowel disorders, such as acid reflux or as Sarah's dealing with irritable bowel syndrome. Isn't that amazing, it's Anna? Crazy half, when you think about it. Half of the appointments are for you know some type of intestinal, intestinal problem. I know. So let's do a little lesson here on the radio um, <laughs> about how the digestive system works. Okay. I think that will help people. You know, first you eat and the, the food ends up in your stomach. Yes. And for some people that have acid reflex, which is an awful lot of people, yes. um, we call it acid reflex or heartburn. Yep. So what's the cause? You know, many people think it is an acid problem and they start chewing on Tums or they take some kind of antacid or acid blocker. And first of all, it isn't, usually is not an acid problem, but it's an irritated stomach lining. A new way to look at this. Yes. And there are quite a few things that can actually affect or irritate the stomach lining. Um, but be, but we're going to actually get back to that after our break. Oh, okay. So we're going to take a break. So you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition Earlier in the show, we were discussing salt cravings, and in addition, Victoria wanted to know how much salt or sodium is is kind of the recommended amount. Um, usually 15 to 2,000 milligrams is um, the recommended amount, but about one teaspoon of salt per day added oh. to food. So, you know, 2,000 milligrams is about a teaspoon, isn't it? Yeah, yep, exactly. It's about a teaspoon of salt. Um, and the trouble starts when people eat a typical restaurant meal... Um, these are some examples of the sodium content of some restaurant um, items. Okay, so Outback Steakhouse, it, their prime rib has 1,130 milligrams of sodium. So half of what you need for the day. Yes. Chipotle Chicken Burrito has 2,120, so uh, over 2,000. So that's the, the whole yep. the whole of what you need for the day. Um, Olive Garden's lasagna has t- um, over 2,800 Milligrams. P.F. Chang's sesame chicken and rice has 3,000. And one of the worst is Outback Blooming Onion with the sauce. This is a whopping 5,500 milligrams of sodium. So no wonder why you might feel bloated and achy and probably a little foggy in the brain after a meal at these restaurants. Um, Quarter pounder at McDonald's, 1,190. So these are just to give you, you know, just some examples. And when we come back, we will discuss um, more about the acid blockers and really what causes that irritated stomach lining. So if you have questions, call 651-641-1071. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Darlene Kavis, licensed nutritionist, and I'm here with Anna Durhock, licensed nutritionist, and we're talking nutrition today. <laughs> so uh, we... Um, we were talking about salt, and I, we've had a lot of people that have question, ask us questions about how much salt should they be eating. Well, yes. an average woman consumes about 3,000 milligrams of sodium, and we just, Anna was just talking yep. before break that we should, it's about 2,000. It's more like 2,000, yep. yep. And men, about 4,000. So we're over-consuming. So, yes. you know, we need to start cutting back our sodium to 1,500, 2,000 a day. And what they find that have found is that would reduce blood pressure for many people. Yeah. It would actually, you know, save lives, cut mm-hmm. our health care costs. Mm-hmm. But 
as nutritionists, I think we all believe <laughs> that the only way you can really reduce your salt intake is to stop eating processed foods yep. and start eating real meat, real vegetables, and good fat. Yeah. And, you know, the real change will come when you strap on that apron at home. <laughs> yep, that's right. <laughs> and cook more meals. And um, just, but think about this. You know, I think people, they kind of get out of the habit of cooking. Yep. But to me, it's stress Part reducing. Definitely. And you feel that way too. Yep. And you have an end product when you get done and it tastes great. And you're appreciated. Yes. And... There's less bloating that goes on, <laughs> less swollen ankles, yep. less aches and pains, and it's a big payoff. Right. It is. It's just better for you. Your body doesn't need 3,000 milligrams a day of salt. It really doesn't. No. So, so Anna, before break, we were talking We were talking about acid blockers and Tums and other prescription antacid types. And, uh, yep. You you were starting to talk about a little story you had with a client about their B12 level? Yes. I want to mention it because there's there's a great connection to it, and pe- most people don't know about it. So um, recently I had a client who just got their cholesterol levels back, who I had been working with, and um, you know his triglycerides were great. His HDL was still kind of low. Um, and he, the thing is, is he's been taking an acid reflux medication, an antacid, for over eight years. Mm-hmm. And um, he he got back from the doctor and his B12 levels were pretty low. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and again, his cholesterol, he's been struggling with for a good 10 years and he's been on a statin. And um, I told him, well, you know, maybe why your HDL is still staying low is because you're not absorbing your B12. And B12 has a direct correlation to um, how we metabolize something called homocysteine. Yes. And homocysteine, when it builds up in the blood and it's not metabolized because it's metabolized by B12, um, can actually start to damage your blood vessels. And then, you know, that then the cholesterol comes in and tries to repair those blood vessels. Yep. And then you get this excess cholesterol in the bloodstream. So it actually turns into a free radical and damages the blood vessels. Yes. Yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. So, um, I mean... And you need acid in your stomach, people. <laughs> Listen to me when I tell you. You need acid in your stomach to be able to absorb B12. It's, well, and actually and, to take meat. And to take meat and, and just digest it properly. Right, and to make your B12. And that's, yeah, and that's, I think, half the reason is there's too low of acid in the stomach for people not to digest their protein, and so it's just sitting there. Mm-hmm. So. so we approach it a totally different way because yes. we look at, okay, there's something that's irritating the stomach lining. Yes. So that could be pop. Mm-hmm. Could be all those Motrin that you take. <laughs> I was shocked yesterday when I had a client and she said she was taking like, you know, six or eight of those 800 mm-hmm. milligrams of Motrin a day. Oh. And so that irritates the stomach lining. Yeah. Lots of aspirin can irritate the stomach lining. Uh, yeah. Smoking irritates the stomach yeah. lining. For some people, gluten irritates yeah. the stomach lining. And so we look at that and we pull out all the stuff that irritates the stomach lining and then they don't need their acid, the acid block. Yes. And then they can eat a piece of meat mm-hmm. and their body will break it down and make B12. Right. And then they won't have cholesterol issues. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's kind of magical, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's magical. Like you're always saying. So again, you know, and it's, and even um, like alcohol can can irritate the stomach lining, but coffee is probably one of the worst things. Yes. 
um, just because of all the pesticides in it. And it's very, very acidic. Yes. Yeah. Basically burns a hole in your stomach. So if so, again, you know, we think that um, and so if people say, oh, yeah, but I can't give up my coffee. So we say, well, eat your breakfast first. Yes. And then maybe have a cup of coffee and maybe have a little bit of cream with it. Mm -hmm. And it actually is easier on the stomach lining. Yeah. So than just drinking it black. Definitely. So, um, you know, one of the things if people do have an irritated stomach lining, one of the things that we recommend to kind of heal is to take a product that's called, well, we, we use, I use a one that is called Ultradophilus a lot. Yeah. And it's just a form of acidophilus and it's in a powder and you mix it with a little water and you drink it before you go to bed and it kind of coats that stomach lining and it heals it and people pretty soon they don't need any acid blockers at all. Right. And that's, um, every pregnancy I have gotten terrible heartburn Mm-hmm. Um, and I take acidophilus every day. Yeah. And I, and I actually take it in the morning and at night before okay. I go to bed just because it helps, you know, it helps me throughout the day too. But if I didn't have that, it would be terrible. So, so we were talking, how does the digestive system work? And so we were talking about, so we got the stomach now healed yes. up. So let's go <laughs> on down. Yes. So somebody that has irritable bowel syndrome, usually that's the intestinal lining that is being irritated by something. Yes. And typically we pull out certain foods. Yes. Because there are certain foods that cause more diarrhea yes. and constipation. And I would have to say I probably start with gluten. Gluten. Yeah. And probably another big culprit is dairy. Yeah. So when we talk about gluten, you know that that's in like muffins and bread and pasta and all those things. Yeah. And it's usually in grains that are like wheat, rye, barley, oats. Yeah. Um, there's a grain that's called spelt. So it's all those, those grains. grains. And it's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> People will pull out the gluten grains and they'll start mm-hmm. eating sweet potatoes or parsnips or any of those things, mm-hmm. squash, things like that. And they don't have any more, more issues. Oh, yeah. It goes away. Like like what, like Wendy Kate's dancer yep. took her off gluten, what, 10 years ago, eight years ago, and she's never had heartburn since. Never had heartburn. And, you know, and I've had many, many clients that had this same irritable bowel syndrome. Yep. Same thing. Couldn't leave the house. You take them off of gluten, take them off of dairy. Yeah. And sometimes you have to take people off of eggs because they just can't digest eggs either. And then suddenly all their symptoms go away. But that doesn't mean that they're starving. Right. They're eating great food. They're just replacing it with other things that they're digesting properly. Yes. You know, so they're eating, you know, they're eating meat. They're eating fish. They're eating a lot of vegetables. They're eating fruit. They're eating good fat. Avocados are great for the digestive system. Olives would be fine. So there's, there's lots of good food that you can eat. But I think it almost, it does make sense to work with a nutritionist. Just to know, you know, what, what foods might be your issue. Right, exactly. Because everybody's different. Mm-hmm. So. so I hope that gives people a little bit more understanding about, oh, we've covered quite a few different topics today, <laughs> we did. actually. And, um, you know, one of the other things that we, we wanted to cover a little bit of information about cholesterol because we have so many Yes. You know, and I hear this, I bet, almost every every week. Can I eat <laughs> eggs if I have cholesterol? Yes, you can. Yes. So 
Thanks for working with me today, Anna. No problem, Dara. Thanks. It's always been a pleasure. All right. Bye. Have a great week, everybody. Yep. Thanks. Life, I love you. All is groovy. Ba-da-da.